Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more and uh, give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a great show for you today, including special guest William Yateman. He's a senior legal fellow at the Pacific Legal Foundation. We'll also visit with uh, Jeff Hayes, the producer of a new The Real Anthony Fauci movie. Uh, we watched it. It's terrific, and I uh, want you to find out about it because it's uh, pretty important. We'll also visit with Sal Nuzzo, the vice president of policy at the James Madison Institute, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of a dozen books, his latest, Architectures uh, Beyond Boundaries and uh, Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. He also writes his column for Newsmax.com. Uh, it is October the 28th, and on this day in 1886, the Statue of Liberty, a gift of uh, friendship from the people of France to the people of the United States, was dedicated in New York Harbor by President Grover Cleveland. Originally known as Liberty Enlightening the World, the statue was proposed by the French historian Edouard de Lobouillet uh, to commemorate the Franco-American alliance during the American Revolution, designed by French sculptor uh, Frédéric Auguste Bartholdi. The 151-foot statue was the form of a woman with an uplifted arm, of course, holding a torch. Its framework uh, of gigantic steel supports was designed by uh, uh, Alexander Gustav Eiffel, the letter famous, uh, famous for his design of the Eiffel Tower. In February 1877, Congress approved the use of a site of the New York Bedloes Island, which was suggested by Bartholdi. In May 1884, the statue was completed in France, and three months later, the Americans laid the cornerstone for its pedestal in New York Harbor. In June 1885, they dismantled the Statue of Liberty, arrived in New York in the New World, enclosed in more than 200 packing cases. Its copper sheets were reassembled, and then uh, the last rivet of the monument was fitted on October the 28th, 1886, during a dedication presided over by President Cleveland and attended by numerous French and American dignitaries. In 1903, a bronze plaque mounted inside the pedestal's lower level was inscribed with the New Colossus, a sonnet by American poet Ezra Lazarus that welcomed immigrants to the United States with the declaration, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Seeing these, the homeless, the tempest tossed to, to me, I lift my lamp beside the golden door. In 1892, Ellis Island, adjacent to Bedloes Island, opened as the chief entry station for immigrants to the United States. And for the next 32 years, more than 12 million immigrants were welcomed in New York Harbor by the site of a Lady Liberty. In 1924, the Statue of Liberty was made a national monument, and in 1956, Bedloes Island was renamed Liberty Island. The statue underwent a major restoration, of course, in the 80s. Think about 12 million immigrants came through Ellis Island, and just in the last two years since uh, Biden's been in office, about 5.6 million folks have crossed the southern border, illegal immigrants. A whole nother story. Well, national organizations and donors have abandoned their Democrat candidates in Florida, a sign that they no longer view the state as competitive, a sign of impending Republican landslide. Florida was once a swing state, but now has a Republican stronghold, making it almost impossible for Democrats to steal the votes. As political, uh, Politico reported, less than two weeks before the election, Democrats signaled the key races are slipping away. They point to ominous signs and missed opportunities, including the party's message on abortion rights and gun control that isn't resonating and a lack of coordination between the campaigns of Val Demings, who is uh, trying to unseat Marco Rubio, and Charlie Crist, who's challenging Governor Ron DeSantis. Good luck, guys. Uh, Democrats uh, follow the, this building narrative. Uh, and decide not to compete in the Florida 2024 will be one of the most short-sighted decisions of the last 30 years, said Greg Goddard. He's a veteran Florida Democrat fundraiser. Where do we think the pathway is to winning the future president election lies? According to Democrat operatives, 
uh, consultants and uh, elected officials there, there's no reason to be optimistic ahead of the midterms. The Democrats' uh, Governors Association spent just $685,000 this election cycle. It gave $14 million to uh, Florida in the past two governor's races. So you can see they cut back on the money spending here in Florida. Big outside donor money is almost completely dried up. New York billionaire Michael Bloomberg contributed only $1.5 million to Democrats this cycle. He vowed $100 million to Florida in 2020. Polling shows that Republicans making headway in Miami-Dade County which has long served as the uh, blue stronghold. Democrats have collectively raised $29 million in the four non-federal state races. Republicans raised nearly $200 million, almost 10 times the amount. Meanwhile, some Democrats are scrambling to hold on to the last bit of hope about the looming election. Conventional wisdom is that DeSantis and Rubio have this locked up, but it wasn't long ago the conventional wisdom had Joe Biden at, uh, dead in the Democrat primary and Trump losing to Hillary in double digits. This according to Juan Penalosa, former executive director of the Florida Democrat Party. Anyone who can say that with certainty that they know the election results ahead of time is reading a crystal ball but not a poll, Penalosa said. This is going to come down to turnout, and right now, with more than 800,000 votes cast, Democrats have an edge. Well, it's pretty real, real wishful thinking there, but irrespective, you can see this Florida slipping away uh, from the Democrats. It's no longer a swing state. This is what this is concluding. And by the way, Herschel Walker is now up five points over radical Marxist Raphael Warnock in the Democrat uh, in the uh, Georgia Senate race. And Georgia Brian Kemp is up 10 points over Stacey Abrams in the governor's race. This comes after nonstop attacks on Herschel and the former football great and his uh, former affairs. Uh, Marshall Gloria Allred, I just, she, her voice is so grating. But irrespective, she's come up with some sort of affair 30 years ago with an anonymous person who said that he uh, encouraged her to get an abortion. My goodness. Anyhow, Americans are now concerned about heating their homes, putting gas in their vehicles, and paying for food. Walker's lead is mainly due to his 14-point margin among independent voters. 77% of Georgia Republican voters would vote for Walker, and 81% of Democrats would vote for, vote for Warnock. While among voters not affiliated with either party, Walker is in the lead 49% to 35%. In the Georgia gubernatorial race, 51% uh, of likely voters would re-elect Governor uh, Ron, uh, Brian Kemp, while 41% would vote for their Democrat challenger, uh, former state representative Stacey Abrams. So good news in Georgia. And then, of course, uh, we've all <laughs> at this point seen clips and re read uh, that somewhat unintelligible transcript from Tuesday night's U.S. Senate debate in Pennsylvania against uh, Mehmet Oz and John Fetterman. Most have seen that Fetterman's campaign uh, a laughable spin, claiming the Democrat did better than expected, while they say that were, there was delayed captions against, again, which uh, Fetterman requested to do to auditory processing. Issues stemming from his stroke, the campaign claimed, were filled with errors. But now Oz is uh, calling Fetterman's bluff and making an offer to debate in again in a final dozen days of the midterm campaign with a captioner of Fetterman's choice on his campaign. We're sorry to hear that Fetterman campaign was unhappy with how the closed captioning system that they requested was working on Tuesday, said Brittany Yannick, the Oz campaign's communications director, in a statement Thursday. We're happy to do a second debate anytime and let Fetterman and his campaign choose a closed captioner that they believe is of better quality, Yannick offered. Makes me smile, actually. How can uh, Fetterman refuse? As his campaign claims, he's delivering a performance that thrilled despite what they claim was captioning errors. Another debate would surely make Democrats shine. But of course, Fetterman spent months sidelined from his campaign while his staff refused debate invitations. And now they're unlikely to do a rerun of Tuesday night's uh, uh, event. So Fetterman, uh, he's, this uh, race is slipping away. Of course, uh, uh, Biden was uh, informed by uh, that the, the Senate uh, minority le majority leader that the, the race is slipping away in Pennsylvania. So it uh, looks like Dr. Oz is going to be our next uh, United States senator in Pennsylvania. Just how badly did unelected uh, Democrat Governor Kathy Hochul's debate with Republican Congressman Lee Zeldin go? 
Well, badly enough that she's been avoiding the press corps like the plague ever since, she quickly and quietly disappeared following the debate, uh, where the, she actually laughed and wondered aloud why Zeldin was so focused on the state's rapidly rising crime rates. The following day, Hochul showed up in the Senior Citizens, Citizens Center in Times Plaza, where she individually spoke with a dozen in, uh, residents over lunch. Reporters were directed to the lobby of the building for a press gaggle uh, but uh, by the governor's spokeswoman, but they waited in vain as Hochul was bustled out the back door. Reporters running outside to catch her only managed to get a glimpse of her SUV as it sped away. She used the old bait-and-switch to avoid being uh, having post-debate questions from the city's press corps. The sneaking uh, strategy unfolded just hours after Hochul's first and only face-off with Z Lee Zeldin. Uh, in the wake of the uh, controversial remark, Hochul stumped uh, votes at the uh, Races Times Plaza Neighborhood Senior Center, where she individually chatted up about 30 people as they ate lunch in the basement cafeteria. Spokeswoman Jen Goodman was left with the unenviable task of trying to explain Hochul's disappearance. She came back to the waiting uh, reporters and claimed that the, an unspecified security threat had caused the cancellation of the press conference. When pressed for more details, she said the protesters entered the facility and disrupted the space. Now, that didn't happen. There was one well-dressed guy who was uh, holding a sign that read uh, "Sign uh, the Foreclosures Abuse Prevention Act. The man reportedly said nothing, did nothing to approach or affront the uh, hokel. But nevertheless, that was the excuse she uh, used in order to avoid the press conference. Reporters were then told by Goodman that they could catch up with Hochul and speak with her at the next event, which was to take place at the Sheridan New York Times Square Hotel. The press corps dutifully headed to their cars and followed the governor to the hotel, but after delivering a 10-minute speech, she once again walked past all the reporters and silently as they called to question her. Unbelievable. You can almost sympathize with Hochul's handlers for wanting to keep her away from the press. Her debate was almost as much of a disaster as John Fetterman's, when Lee Zeldin pointed out why she refuses to talk about locking up criminals during her campaign, Hochul's responded by saying, I don't know why this is so important to you. For a person asking for votes of people whose top three issues are crime, inflation, and cost of living, that was one of the most tone-deaf answers imaginable. But perhaps she truly doesn't understand either that she doesn't know that she's done nothing to curb the escalating crime or she simply just doesn't care and doesn't have an answer to give. Her refusal to take any questions or address the concern of the voters may already be coming back to haunt her. Of course, uh, Arizona cowardly uh, Democrat Katie Hobbs ran away from every opportunity to debate Carrie Lake, and now Hobbs is trailing in double digits. And this week we saw our first poll where Kathy Hochul was narrowly uh, trailing Lee Zeldin, and the state's Democrat maintained two-to-one registration advantage. We have will indeed live to see interesting times. Uh, Lee Zeldin, in my opinion, is going to pull away from Hochul and win this race. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, I'm going to visit uh, with... Uh, William Yateman, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website Choice Social US. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jeff Hayes, producer of the Real Anthony Fauci movie. Right now, we have with us William Yateman, Senior Legal Fellow at the Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure. Tell us about the Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. Uh, so we're a nonprofit legal organization located across the country, and we defend Americans from government overreach and abuse. Terrific organization. What's the website? Oh, uh, we're here at pacificlegal.org. Pacificlegal.org. So, William, let's talk about what's going on Capitol Hill, and uh, we've got the midterms coming up. The president's making his last closing pitch. How's it going? <laughs> Not too well for the president. Um, indeed. So yesterday made his, his closing pitch. He focused on the economy. Um, and perhaps unsurprisingly, he did not dwell on his own record, um, given you know the state of inflation and whatnot. Um, instead, he, he focused on the consequences, uh, the economic consequences, were the GOP to take over um, both chambers of Congress. And he mentioned, uh, I guess, the ills of tax cuts, and government shutdowns, which personally didn't sound too bad, but uh, <laughs> nonetheless, I, I thought it was, uh, again, quite telling that he's sort of focusing on the hypothetical of GOP control and curiously on the, on the hypothetical of tax cuts as opposed to uh, in any way focusing on what he's done. He actually said, you know what, if, if these guys get into office, they're going to trash the economy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, they, they couldn't do a worse job than he, so, um, you know, I guess he would know. I guess so, indeed. So um, it looks like it's going to be a, well, I've been admonished not to say red tsunami after the Ian came through Florida here, but it, it looks like it's going to be a, a major wet red wave uh, when it comes to the elections. Historically, well, you know, we've noticed, uh, discussed this a, a number of prior Fridays, um, you know, the, the historical factors seem to line up against Democrats this cycle. You know, again, it's uh, the, the two primary determinants of electoral success are um, the popularity of the president and the state of the economy. And on both counts, uh, you know, the Democrats aren't doing too well. President Biden isn't doing too well. So it is a red wave. This, it seems pretty likely that the GOP will at least take over the House. Um, I will say this past week, uh, pollsters have moved ever more races, even in California, New York, Oregon, and Connecticut, you know, I guess what are thought to be blue strongholds, as being in the toss-up category. So it, uh, I'm loath to prognosticate, but it certainly seems possible that a red wave is building. Yeah, I mean, uh, Richard Blumenthal's, uh, you know, Denang Dick, he looks like he could have a problem, too, in Connecticut, which is kind of amazing. Shoot, I heard that Katie Porter is all of a sudden is worried, you know, in Southern California. And, and I know that the Maloney, the fourth-ranking Democrat in the House, all of a sudden in New York this past week, um, found out that his race is in a, in a, a toss-up. So, yes, it is. You know, these are uh, uh, somewhat eye-popping developments. And, and, again, they certainly militate in, in the direction of a red wave building. Absolutely. So uh, any update on uh, Trump litigation these days? 
A couple, so with uh, this amorphous, sprawling January 6th investigation, um, this past week there was reporting that the Justice Department is trying to compel testimony by White House lawyers in order to pierce uh, President or former President Trump's claims of attorney-client privilege. Um, and a similar development in the Mar-a-Lago uh, documents raid uh, uh, legal fallout. Um, the uh, government is trying to compel uh, Cash Patel, a close aide of, of President Trump, to uh, testify over he's been invoking his Fifth Amendment privilege. I'll just say, with respect to these ongoing investigations, the same thing I've been saying for a long time, which is, you know, the, the incumbent president, Biden, has made a major part of his political platform the former president, Trump. And there's something bizarre and, and weirdly anti-constitutional about the incumbent president, uh, in spirit, not the letter of the Constitution, but of the incumbent president wielding the tools of state power um, to investigate his political rival. Yeah. So this is why I've been calling for some sort of independence, be it a special counsel or, or, or just some sort of arm's length removal from the Biden administration of this investigation were it to continue. Unbelievable. So uh, how about any update on the litigation about the uh, student debt cancellation? Shoot, yeah. Uh, so the good news, bad news. Bad news was that uh, the district court uh, uh, dismissed our challenge. Uh, this was late last week, I believe. Mm. This was uh, in Indiana. Uh, we are uh, appealing. It is currently on appeal before the Seventh Circuit. Good news is that a group of state AGs got the Eighth Circuit to pause implementation of Biden's unilateral $500 billion student debt cancellation policy. So, uh, again, we got multiple legal challenges across the country, including our ongoing um, challenge. And, you know, there's hope yet that we can stop this uh, kind of gross abuse of executive power. Yes, does uh, standing, uh, is that the major barrier right now or the hurdle for uh, somehow uh, stopping this? Uh, you know, the power of the purse belongs to Congress, and the president's uh, spent $500 billion on student debt relief. That just doesn't make any sense at all. Well, here, here, so we've got what you're, you're exactly right. So we've got a situation whereby the policy itself seems blatantly illegal, blatantly contrary to the law and indeed our constitutional structure. Um, but it's just a matter of getting in court. Like this uh, standing requires that a plaintiff demonstrate a concrete injury. And because this is uh, uh, a benefit, if you will, it's only the taxpayer writ large that is affected. Uh, um, standing is an issue. However, there are many promising avenues, ours included, and you know the, the battle is not lost yet. All right. William Yateman, again, Senior Legal Fellow at the Pacific Legal Foundation, pacificlegal.org being the website. I hope you'll check it out. William, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Jeff Hayes. He's the producer of the real Anthony Fauci movie. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. 
You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board, and they do a number of things, including creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, going to be visiting with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Hey, two people familiar with the deal say that Elon Musk is in control of Twitter and has ousted the CEO, the chief financial officer, and the company's chief lawyer. The people would say if at off the paperwork for the deal was completed or originally valued at $44 billion had been signed or if the deal has been closed. But they did say that Musk is in charge of the social media platform and has fired uh, these individuals. Uh, neither person wanted to be identified because of the sensitive nature of the deal. The departures come, come just hours after, before a deadline set by the Delaware judge to finalize the deal for on Friday. She threatened to schedule a trial if no agreement was reached, but Musk had been uh, signaling that the deal is going to go through. He strolled into the company's San Francisco headquarters Wednesday carrying a porcelain sink, uh, changed his Twitter profile to Chief Twit... <laughs> And tweeted, entering Twitter HQ, let that sink in, carrying a sink, of course. Interesting individual. Well, although they came quickly, the major personnel moves have been widely expected and almost certainly are the first of many major changes the mercurial Tesla CEO will make. Most changes will uh, be aimed at increasing Twitter's subscriber base and revenue in his first big move Earlier on Thursday, Musk tried to soothe leery Twitter advertisers, saying that he is buying the platform to help humanity and doesn't want to become a free-for-all hellscape. The message appeared to be aimed at addressing concerns about advertisers, Twitter's chief source of revenue, that Musk plans to promote free speech by cutting back on moderating content and will open the floodgates to get more online toxicity, toxicity and uh, drive-away users. Well, the reason I acquired Twitter is to become, it's because it is important to the future of civilization to have a common digital town square where a wide range of beliefs can be debated in a healthy manner without restoring and resorting to violence. Musk wrote an uncharacteristically long message for a Tesla CEO who typically projects his thoughts in one-line tweets. So he owns Twitter now, and uh, he's trying to uh, manage several balls in the air here. His revenue stream is coming from advertising. He may want to change that. He might want to go to subscriptions or perhaps moderate uh, the, the arrangement with the public. But nevertheless, the whole notion is to create free speech. Now, how that leads necessarily to people behaving badly, I don't know. So, But there will be guidelines. Apparently, there'll be uh, somehow some way to prevent people from uh, creating violent behavior or, or insinuations on uh, Twitter. wonder if he's going to let uh, uh, Trump come back. I think he probably will. He'll probably invite all the people that have been kicked off Twitter, but also probably now announce some sort of admonitions about uh, future behavior and how to behave on uh, on Twitter. So interesting. He owns Twitter now. Uh, right now, we couldn't control necessarily how Twitter was being run uh, and, and uh, get some guidelines uh, before uh, this change. But it seems like the richest man in the world now is going to create some changes that are badly needed. In uh, the social square. Well, the University of Florida's faculty senate approved a no-confidence vote Thursday on the selection process that led to U.S. Senator Ben Sass being named as the sole finalist to be the next U.F. president, University of Florida. The Senate held an emergency meeting on the resolution, which focused on a search committee's decision to name him as the only finalist for the job. 
Senators voted 72 to 16 to pass the measure after some criticized the search process, as well as past statements made by SAS on issues such as LGBTQ rights. Uh, Brianne Garbus, a faculty uh, Senate member who drafted the motion, said the problem isn't that Sass was selected. It was that he, the way in which the name was, he ended up as being the only finalist. The process is the biggest problem that we have here because we don't know who the other candidates were, said the uh, Senate, Senate representative. We don't know anything about them, and we have no input into uh, this and no say in, as it is in faculty as a whole, Garbus said. The University of Florida Board of Trustees is scheduled to uh, consider SAS for the position on Tuesday. The Nebraska Republican is currently serving his second term in the Senate and was previously uh, president of Midland University, a 1,400-student Lutheran school in Nebraska. So we'll see how this all turns out. It could be just a, a, a minor dust-up, a, a tempest in a teapot. But uh, it leads me to wonder if perhaps a SAS might not end up getting the job uh, as the president of the University of Florida. Well, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky and the globalist elites say the vaccine would stop transmission. It didn't. They said the vaccine could uh, quit wearing a mask. Vaccinated could quit wearing a mask, and of course they couldn't. They said the vaccinated would not get sick. They did. And they said the vaccinated were not going to die. That was another lie. On Saturday, Dr. Rochelle Walensky tested positive for COVID-19 just one month after she celebrated receiving her booster shot. The president of the, uh, also got his booster shot recently as well. Of course, he'd had uh, a couple of episodes. Uh, I think all the evidence is showing that there is no, it's not a prophylactic. These uh, vaccines don't prevent you from getting COVID. In fact, it makes me wonder for perhaps it doesn't enhance your chance of getting COVID. And it certainly doesn't uh, permit or prohibit transmission of the disease. Why are we even giving this stuff? Why are we giving these vaccines anyhow? Does it make sense? Well, it perhaps makes financial sense to uh, lobbyists and to uh, big tech and big, par- big pharma. You may be aware that uh, Democrat Representative Cori Bush tended to make a lot of noise in the Congress, but her m- memoir isn't making such noise at uh, retail. Her memoir, The Forerunner, A Story of Pain and Perseverance in America. (laughs) The title just sounds like a victim, doesn't it? Sold only 729 copies in its first week of sales. That's right, only 729 uh, copies, uh, followed by 288 copies the second week. Bush was paid at least $50,000 by her publisher, according to a financial disclosure form. It's just unbelievable that... uh, uh, Cori Bush, she's the one, by the way, that buy, gets uh, private security firms who spent, a, I guess, a half a million dollars doing that while she wants to defund the police. Unbelievable. Well, at a national level, there's a unique policy priority that almost every politician on both sides will avoid discussing. At a national level, a single policy priority determines all other national policies, and that policy is the national economic policy. President Trump broke the rule and even went so far as to campaign on the America First economic policy agenda. That core outlook forms the Great America, Make America Great Again Foundation. MAGA, or as Biden calls it, MEGA, is based on a national economic policy outlook that determines every other national policy as carried out by President Trump. And while most Americans Americans uh, may not be able to articulate how the national economic policy impacts them. Almost every American feels the consequence through gasoline prices, energy prices, employment, wage rates, and the expenses within the everyday lives. To try and hide this reality, often media and economic analysts will say that the president has no control over gasoline prices. However, this is unequivocally false. Yes, it's true. The oil prices are determined by the global market for the product, the supply and demand. However, the energy policy of the president determines the domestic investment in natural resource development and extraction by oil companies. The regulatory policy determines the expansion or lack therein of oil and gasoline refinery and capacity. So, yes, it's ultimately the U.S. president who determines gasoline prices indirectly uh, through the energy and regulatory policy. And I think that's fairly obvious. If this were not the case, then gasoline would cost nearly the same in almost every nation. It doesn't. Right now, gasoline in Mexico is almost a dollar less than gasoline in the United States. 
specifically because Mexican President uh, Lopez Abrador is not trying to reduce oil investment development or gasoline refinery capacity, which, of course, President uh, Biden is doing. President Trump was the first presidential candidate who campaigned on a domestic national economic policy. He even went one step further and stated the T-word, tariffs. After the, after the uh, Commerce Department holds tools to support a national economy, this tool is another aspect of national economics that most politicians avoid discussing because the toolbox is counter to the interests of Wall Street multinational corporations and head fund, head, hedge fund managers. So this is uh, right now, this is the, such an interesting uh, discussion point because the president right now has formed Make America Great Again as the policy for, uh, uh, for right now f- for uh, not only his possible campaign, but for the campaigns of those he supports in Congress, gubernatorial races, and others. Point being is that all Americans right now and supporters of President Trump want to get back what he started, and we want to see the economy grow, get strong. We want to be strong internationally. We want a strong economy. We want energy prices to stop. President Biden uh, is not the solution to that problem. Of course, President Trump did it before, and he can do it again. All right, coming up, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Right now we have with us Sal Nuzo. He is the vice president of policy at the James Madison Institute. Sal, thank you so much for joining us again. It's a pleasure to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Sal. Tell us about the James Madison Institute. Sure. JMI is a nonprofit uh, policy research think tank. We're based in Tallahassee, but our focus is statewide on economic issues that face Florida. Our mission is really to advance the causes of limited government, economic liberty, and free markets. Terrific organization. JamesMadison.org is the website. And Sal, uh, in the past, uh, I didn't check this year for some reason, but uh, usually uh, you have commentary, not uh, nonpartisan commentary, on issues coming up in the election. We've got a couple things on the ballot. Do you still do that? 
Yeah, absolutely. We've got an amendment guide right on our homepage, jamesmadison.org, as you mentioned. Uh, There are three constitutional amendments uh, on the ballot this year. Two of them have to deal with uh, property taxes, and one has to deal with the uh, Constitution Revision Commission, which meets every 20 years. But the ballot initiative on it is actually to abolish it. Uh, So um, you can get all of the information, pros and cons, and analysis at our website on that. Strongly encourage you to do that, uh, make an informed decision on these ballot issues. Pretty important. So uh, here we have the Hurricane Ian. Certainly we, uh, we had uh, on the Paradise Coast a lot of damage, and it just uh, exacerbates the uh, issues around insurance reform and affordable housing. I was hoping we could talk about that today on the show so uh, where do we stand with regard to uh, property insurance reform? Well, Florida's property insurance market was already in kind of a crisis, uh, which was you know kind of more than a decade in the making, even before Ian. Ian's damages are estimated uh, in the tens of billions. It could be up to $70 billion at the, at the end uh, of kind of the assessment of it all. And that's just kind of shined more of a light on the public on the need to address the root causes of what's facing Florida's property insurance market, which at the end of the day comes down to frivolous litigation and fraudulent torts in the property insurance system. And so there are things that the governor is uh, calling for in in another special session, probably in the first couple of weeks of December. And we're really uh, kind of optimistic that post-election we'll begin to take this head on. Well, that's good news. Uh, You know, I'm imagining that the... uh the lobby group for the uh, trial t- attorneys is pretty strong. <laughs> so They always have been. They always have been. And that's been part of the, the, the challenge with addressing root causes. The, the legislature has been really good over the years to address some of the symptoms. Uh, but in the end, it turns into a game kind of like whack-a-mole. Uh, you, you address one of them, and then another one pops up somewhere else. So you know, 15, 20 years ago, we were talking about sinkholes and driveways, and then it was auto glass, and then it was water damage. Now it's roof repairs. And so um, at the at, at the core of this, though, the fraudulent and frivolous torts, that's just going to have to be uh, dealt with. So uh, the uh, I guess the rating of insurance companies in Florida has been diminished or was being diminished. Can you comment on that? Uh, is that a concern? Yes, it's very much a concern. Not necessarily the ratings, because uh, all states use some kind of a rating system for their insurance companies, but the fact that uh, Florida's have been uh, kind of downgraded, and we've had, I want to say, at one point in the year, seven or eight that were forced to, because of a downgrade, stop taking on new policies or leave the state. You had one um, insurer that announced that they were going to have to leave the state the day before Hurricane Ian hit. And what this does is it pushes more and more of the homeowner's policies into what's called Citizens Property Insurance Corp., which is the state-run insurer of last resort. Now, the reason that that's a concern is because at the end of the day, Florida's taxpayers foot the bill for all of the the damages and the uh, kind of shoring up of Citizens uh, Insurance Corp. when uh, they can't levy or they can't get enough uh, of their reserves out. Big concern. So we'll just uh, hope this is addressed in this upcoming legislative session. But I think I heard you say that there there are solutions being formulated right now that should be uh, positive in the next legislative session. Yeah, there are a number of different things on the tort side that would get at the root cause. Um, Florida has one of the worst litigation environments. I think it was 46th or 47th worst. Um one of the things that drives that is this idea of bad faith uh, negotiation and one-way attorney fees. And so because of Florida's one-way attorney fee statute, which means that in, in the vast majority of the cases, um, the attorney's fees are p- being paid by the insurance company to the attorney of, uh, of the policyholder or the contractor, uh, at the end of the day, you have tens of thousands of nuisance settlements being put forth by insurance companies because they cannot afford the costly litigation that results. And in the end of it, um, every one of Florida's policyholders, whether you're on the coast or not, and what you don't realize or most don't realize is that in Florida, even in the most central part of the state, you're never more 
than 90 miles from a beach. Yeah. Uh, that kind of creates this, um, this, this system uh, uh, where uh, trial attorneys have been able to leverage it and, uh, and cause the kind of challenges and crisis that the insurance market has faced over the last several years. So interesting. Sal, before I let you go, I do want to get some comments. Affordable housing, uh, we, right now, FEMA now has approved to bring in some mobile homes and things to uh, help the homeless uh, post in, but there needs to be permanent solutions as well. Any, any thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Florida's um, housing issues and housing challenges are not germane to the state, they're germane to any state like ours where people are migrating in. Yeah. And it's a basic economics issue that's resulted. We've had several years of, um, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of, uh, of new residents moving in, a thousand uh, additional people a day. What that creates is a supply and demand problem. Yeah. Uh, and the key to solving this is not in rent control. It's not in price control or forcing developers to only charge a certain amount. It's to ease regulations and get more homes built. And that involves local communities working with the state to ensure that we're, we're able to get affordable housing built. It's not an overnight solution, despite what any leftist member of the Florida legislature would like you to think. This is going to be a challenge that Florida is going to have to face as a growth state and face it in the right way. So do you see proposed legislation coming up in the next session that uh, can can address this? It, there's going to be a couple of things that I would look to. I would look for the state to uh, figure out how to work with local communities to make zoning impact fees and permitting uh, streamlines more consistent statewide from county to county. When you have a system like we do, which is a patchwork with so many different municipalities, developers are having to kind of work into the price of their homes, the cost for permitting and zoning and impact fees and all of that. I would love to see the, um, the, the legislature work with local governments on kind of making that more consistent from county to county or major metropolitan area to, to major metropolitan area. Sal Nuzzo, again, Vice President of Policy for the James Madison Institute. Uh, JamesMadison.org is the website. I hope you check it out. Sal, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Anytime, Bob. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of many books. He also writes his column for Newsmax.com. It's called On Point. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence is one of only 97 restaurants worldwide to receive Wine Spectator's prestigious Grand Award, and they've received it for the eighth consecutive year. Blue Provence Restaurant is temporarily closed for renovations due to damage from Hurricane Ian, and they look forward to serving you again in the near future. In the meantime, you can enjoy their grand award-winning wine list with unbeatable prices on more than 2,500 wines by visiting Blue Provence Fine Wines at 1234 8th Street South, Monday through Saturday between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Check out the vast wine selection by visiting Blue Provence on Facebook or visit the easy-to-browse website, BlueProvenceFineWines.com. Visit BlueProvenceFineWines.com, or if you need help, you can call Jacques directly at 239-821-6772. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the 
Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. going to be absolutely beautiful. Also providing you and bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more and get tickets at the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston of Space Architecture. Written many books, his latest, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. It's a terrific read. He also writes his column for Newsmax. It's called On Point. Professor, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. And Bob, thanks so much for having me on. Always a pleasure, uh, Professor. Uh, your latest column... U.S. will emerge from rule by Democrats stronger and wiser, an encouraging title. I found the column to be really fascinating. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, fingers crossed on this one. Yeah. But I think as we look at uh, circumstances, at least in my rose-colored glasses, one thing I'm grateful for is that that the disasters we've seen occur so rapidly in the last couple of years uh, happened rapidly rather than being uh, uh, things that really uh, implanted themselves much more slowly. So we we got a forewarning that things were really going in a very bad way. And uh, it's happened before the midterms where I think there's it's an inflection point where we can make some significant changes. And we've seen so many things happen that... Couldn't, couldn't really have imagined a decade or a couple of decades ago, of course, on virtually every level. Uh, and, you know, we can look at it in terms of kind of wokeness, which uh, I think has invaded schools and invaded our military and our economy and virtually everything, our energy policies, and been very, very destructive and actually quite terrifying. And, uh, but now there's, I think, reason for encouragement that, that there's going to be a, a quite a, a shift in a little over a week from now during the midterms when the House, and I think increasingly it looks like the Senate yeah. is going to flip. And, uh, and of course, um, the most immediate thing is to block a lot of new legislation that would be you know, tax and spend kind of stuff that would be frittered away. But uh, even more significantly, uh, I think it really lays the groundwork for getting into, uh, I think, the oversight committees in the House and the Senate that have been blocking probes into a lot of really, really bad mischief that's been going on. And not just to be vindictive to get rid of people, but to be constructive in getting rid of a lot of the uh, the influencers in the White House and surrounding the White House that, that I think it had a very uh, uh, tragic uh, impact on our country. Well, Professor, a couple of great uh, points. You know, I think about the boiled frog uh, theory, and uh, things have happened so quickly. It's been just a shock to the system right now, and I think you're absolutely right that many people are alarmed at how quickly all this has happened, and uh, turning us towards being a, becoming a police state is uh, just a very, very scary indeed. And uh, right now, uh, the American people are basically saying, hey, now it's our turn to express where how we feel, and that's the elections right now. And more and more people are becoming engaged and want to be part of that process. I think that's very true. Uh, and I, I think the, the assault on schools in, in where we have the, uh, you know, the drag shows and every other, imagine, you know, every other uh, horror that we can imagine uh, uh, has really affected a lot of parents and gotten a lot of people involved and said, wait a minute, you can, it's just bad enough when you do this, uh, you know, as a grown-ups, but when you start assaulting the children with this, this, this sexually explicit stuff, uh, and, 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 you know, 16, 19 project and racial, you know, critical race theory stuff and so on, that's, you know, that's a bridge too far. And, and, and so, so we have that. And I think, I think people are becoming less intimidated, you know, whether you can be called a, a racist or a homophobe or whatever for just basically, you know, the, you know, the live and let live attitude. And I think that 
and that uh, has been so important to all of us that what other people do is fine, but just stay away from my kids and, you know, and, and don't impose views on, on, on me and my family when, when it comes to impacting, you know, crime rates and impacting my ability to, you know, to have a stable uh, income and, you know, and keep money, you know, money valued so that my 401k doesn't dry up and so on. I think people have felt, you know, really uh, put upon in terms of these, these policies, crazy policies, we're seeing energy, you know, of course, devastated and now hearing, I didn't write about this yet, but I plan to the, it seems like the, uh, uh, diesel fuel mm. shortage is, is, you know, you can imagine if we, uh, as they say, we have 25 days of, of diesel fuel, you know, airplanes can't fly and trucks can't run and tractors can't, can't, uh, operate in the, in the fields. And, and it's really, uh, a very, very frightening thing. Um, winter's coming on right now with energy shortages, and and uh, I think we're going to come out of this as a lot, lot wiser and presumably stronger as well. I certainly hope so. I heard some good news that apparently Germany is planning on tearing down some of their windmills in order to expand their coal mine <laughs> operations. So <laughs> perhaps they're getting some sense and perhaps we can return to understanding that uh, the energy sources that God's given us, which is, includes uh, carbon dioxide, which is plant food, that we could use them and uh, understand the gifts that we have as opposed to resisting and trying to come up with these newfangled things that just don't work. Well, I think we're going to rapidly find that green energy doesn't come from trees, you know, and, and electricity isn't free. And these electric vehicles that run on batteries, <clears throat> require batteries that depend on rare earth materials that come from China, maybe that's not such a great idea in terms of uh, imagining that's free energy. It's going to be anything but free when, you know, when people are going to realize this winter, maybe perhaps the hard way, and they're certainly going to find it and find out in Europe and in New England and other places that, you know, this energy stuff is, is pretty important when you want to power up your laptop and, and keep your cat from freezing. You know, a final point, I just uh, want to uh, let our listeners know that you also f focused on the rule of law. We just, uh, right now, we're not seeing people punished for stealing less than $1,000 of stuff in stores and so forth. It's just led to total chaos and mayhem in the streets of New York and other major cities right now. We need to return to the rule of law and punishment we need to have. To your point about having these hearings, it's not about uh, trying to get retribution against the people who who've uh, done this, but it's trying to ha bring justice to make sure that they are uh, f understanding the full measure of the law and they get punished and with appropriate uh, punishments for what they've done. Well, we've been encouraged not to believe our lying eyes. You know, we're supposed to, <clears throat> we're supposed to believe that, you know, spending money we don't have is somehow a sophisticated uh, modern monetary theory, you know, that you, well, we just print more money and, and the notion that that money doesn't, uh, and then that, that money doesn't get devalued is is pretty amazing. Or if we take away police you know, support or we don't prosecute criminals, it should be no great surprise to see you know crime rates go up. Or if, you know, like you say, if there's a thousand dollar you know limit on what you can steal, and I can steal nine hundred ninety nine, uh, it's not surprising that you know we're, we're seeing you know these. Uh, you know the you know the, the robberies and and, and uh, assaults on our on, on stores that we need in these neighborhoods, including including drugstores that provide basic services. Yeah. No big surprise that they leave and so on. So none of this is you know I I, I call myself a rocket scientist and. Uh, None of this is, is rocket science. That's right. These are self-inflicted wounds, unfortunately. We need to get on some, some right thinking here. Again, Professor Larry Bell, the name of the latest book that he's written on, they're all outstanding. Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design, I highly recommend it. Also, Newsmax.com, check out uh, Larry Bell's column, On Point. Professor, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. 
And Bob, I always enjoy it so much, too. Thank you very much. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. We've got some great guests for on Monday, including Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, and James McTagg, author and uh, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, will be with us as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Hey, and if you enjoyed the show, tell your friends. That's one of the way we, ways we build our audience, support our advertisers, and we couldn't do this show without their support. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>